A toxic row was reported on the BBC News yesterday following a document that was leaked by the Times that had revealed a team consumed by a dark force. The conflict was between surgeons at a cardiac unit, and as a result, it's claimed that patients were put at risk. The hospital has assured the public that it's taking action, and the cardiac surgery at the unit is safe for patients. Now, I don't know all the ins and outs, but apparently heart surgeons were split into two camps. Whatever the truth of the matter, it's not good news. And something needs to be sorted out. But before we begin to take the moral high ground and think this is dreadful, we shouldn't be surprised at times when people are divided amongst themselves. And why is that? Because relationships are fragile. It's understandable at times that there will be disagreements. The trouble is when they get out of hand, when they become toxic, which I think is a very good description uh, in that report. You see, the foundations of any relationship, healthy or not, are mostly established upon mutual admiration and respect. But they can then become, in time, remarkably unhealthy if we're not careful, leading to division, hence the idea of two camps in the report. You see, we live in a fallen world due to selfishness and sin. And if you excuse the pun for a moment, people have fallen out with each other and with God from the beginning of time. Kina picked that up in her talk. Sadly, it's our human nature it leads to disputes between individuals and families and communities and colleagues and companies and countries and dare I say it, in the church as well. Remember the division that was referred to here in our epistle lesson today from the, to the Ephesians. There was the separation and hostility that existed in the community between Jews and Gentiles, circumcised and uncircumcised, all those who were in Christ as well and those who were far away. And there's an awful lot of conflict and separation as we read through the pages of the Bible, including that conflict between good and evil. But ultimately... Jesus came to bring an end to separation. And he did that through the cross. To offer the possibility of recreation, restoration, and unity. But I wonder if we really believe that or desire it with all our hearts. Three points this morning. The first is this one. We need to recognize the walls of division. In some circumstances, and Keena mentioned this as well, walls can be a good thing, essential for shelter, protection, or creating community initiatives. But there's also a fine line between a positive building project and setting 
healthy boundaries, which are necessary at times for self-preservation, to erecting unwholesome walls of division and separation. What I call walls of division are often defense mechanisms which keep any chance of help, support, and reconciliation at bay most of the time. Walls can lead to isolation and loneliness, casting shadows of darkness and imprisonment, hindering communication, creating suspicion, fostering resentment, and feeding anger. And there are all sorts of contested walls and boundaries. Think Leylandi for a moment. Uh, planning proposals. Border walls and fences that have separated warring nations. Defending trade routes. Warding off refugees and economic migrants. Just think for a moment some of the well-known uh, dividing walls. Perhaps you can name some in your head. Some standing still, others thankfully not. At the end of the Second World War, I'm told that there were seven border walls or fences in the world, according to a geography prof professor. But, but by, the time the, by the time the Berlin Wall fell in 1989, there were 15. Today, believe it or not, there are 77 fences or walls in the world, many erected after nine, the 9-11 attacks. And we all know President Trump's campaign too, his intention to build a wall with the border of Mexico. So there's the Berlin Wall, the Great Wall of China. There was, if you think about it, Israel and West Bank, Indian and Bangladesh. There's the Great Wall of Calais, as it's been called the peace walls in Northern Ireland, as they've been called. And we could go on naming walls. But let's consider other kinds of walls, non-material walls, as I call them. What about walls of silence? Walls of pride. Walls of nations, tribes, and gangs. Walls of racism and other kinds of prejudice. Walls of cynicism and elitism trade walls, and the list goes on. Let's also admit the walls that often exist between Christians. You may have heard this from the comedian Emo Phillips, but uh, I'll read it once again. Once I saw a guy on a bridge about to jump. I said, don't do it. He said, nobody loves me. I said, God loves you. Do you believe in God? He said, yes. I said, are you a Christian or a Jew? He said, a Christian. I said, me too. Are you Protestant or Catholic? He said, Protestant. I said, me too. What denomination? He said, Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? He said, Northern Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist or Northern Liberal Baptist? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist of the Great Lakes region or Northern Conservative Baptist of the Eastern region? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist of the Great Lakes region. I said, me too. 
Northern Conservative Baptists of the Great Lakes Region Council of 1879 or Northern Conservative Baptist of the Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. He said the Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council 1912. Heretic, I said, and pushed him over the edge. <laughs> absurd? It's not absurd. How often have you heard of disputes within local churches or between different kinds of churches. And in Methodist churches, it saddens me, saddens me so much when the people of God become divided over issues and we build our walls. In our Old Testament reading from Jeremiah, shepherds care, uh, failed to care for the sheep, destroying them and scattering them. And hence, Jeremiah warned that judgment would come, judgment upon those who divided God's people rather than keeping them together and caring for them. The shepherds at that time were the kings of Judah, those who were in authority, and they failed to act wisely, justly, or righteously. They betrayed their trust. But what the prophet pointed out was that the days were coming when a worthy successor to the kings would come who would deal wisely and execute justice and righteousness in the land. Ultimately, Christians see this fulfilled in the Messiah, Jesus, of whom many of us are disciples but we must be aware, if we are to follow that wise leader, that just and righteous leader, we must beware of scattering the flock. Each one of us here has a responsibility to be part of the one body of Christ and to live Christ's way and not our way. As the people of God today, we must recognize that all walls of separation are what they are. We mustn't use them as an easy tool or weapon. We mustn't ignore them or be apathetic about them. We must question them. We must be honest about our motives. For our Lord is the one who tears down the walls. So the first point, recognize the walls of division. They're there, and they may be closer than you think. The second thing is remember that Jesus came down to break down the walls. Pope Francis quite politely said these words, or pointedly actually, a person who thinks only about building walls, wherever they may be, and not building bridges is not a Christian. This is not the gospel. How pointed is that? Why did he say that, do you think? Because God stepped into this divided world and built a bridge through the cross, a way for people to be reconciled to himself and to others. God came, it says, near in Jesus, that those who were far away may come to him, but also come to each other. 
So I want you to think in this address today of those who are far away from you and pray for them and examine your own motives too. For God came near in Jesus that those who are far away may come near to him and to you. In the context of our reading, we see this in terms of Jews and Gentiles. Verse 14, for Jesus is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Do we believe that? It's so hard when you're in the middle of a dispute, but I believe Jesus came to tear down the walls. The body of Christ is seen as one entity in which Jews and Gentiles have been fused together. For Jesus came, it says, to establish something new, a new humanity, a united humanity. Ephesians 4:15. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. In one body to reconcile both God to, them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Sacrificial love should overcome, even obliterate all divisions. But that's so hard. It's costly. We will be wounded. But Maya, as Maya Angelou once said, love recognizes no barriers. It jumps hurdles, leaps fences, penetrates walls to arrive at its destination full of hope. And this is something that's so easy to forget, to ignore, or even to doubt when we can't see the end to hostility. But Jesus preached it to those who were near and those who were far away. And so I do it this morning. Don't give up when the walls are there. Get on your knees and pray. Don't give up. Recognize the walls of division. Remember that Jesus came to break down the walls. And the last thing, rise to become a dwelling place for the Spirit of God. We all have access to the Father through the one Spirit. Jesus died for all of us upon the cross, including me and you. In response, that means that we have to die to ourselves and rise to a new life with him. That's why I call this rise to become a dwelling place for the Spirit of God. And that word rise is in our passage. Die to self and rise to the new life. That means in any dispute, we need to give up something. And sometimes that is very costly. Very costly. But peace will only come through sacrifice. And this means that all of us have to commit ourselves not to our way, but to Christ's way. Dealing with conflict in a Christ-like manner. Seeking to break down the walls where we can and to build those bridges instead. 
Let me give you a practical example. Uh, this may come up on the screen, it may not, but uh, if you've heard of Remembrance 100, it started yesterday. It's an interdenominational uh, initiative. It was, as I say, launched yesterday, which is 100 days to Remembrance Day. And the idea is to lead up to the centenary of Armistice Day with 100 days of peace and hope. And the idea on the website there is that you can download some reflections and readings to actually think about peace in a serious way before we get to that uh, centenary of Armistice Day. And why is this? Why is it being launched? Because on the 4th of August, 1918, King George V called a national day of prayer. A hundred days later, the war ended. And that's why there's this Remembrance 100. The walls didn't come down immediately. There was prayer that one day there would be peace. There was great sacrifice. But peace came and we pray for a lasting peace today when there is so much division in the world today. And if we're committed to breaking down the walls, I suggest you could... Um, you couldn't do better than actually having a look at that. Remembrance100.co.uk. Download some of the resources and read through them between now and Remembrance Sunday. In chapter 4, just before our reading of Ephesians, Paul was writing from prison and he didn't just ask the Ephesians something, he begged them. And he begged them to live a life worthy of the calling to which they were called. And this was to be with all humility and with gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love and making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now that's hard. But it's only possible if we allow the Holy Spirit to dwell deeply within us, binding us together in love, joy, and peace. And it has to be deep because of our superficial feelings and reactions to those things that hurt us. It's only the Spirit of God that can lead us into peace. And that's why Paul went on in Ephesians 4. So Christ uh, himself gave the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for works of service. Not like those prophets in Jeremiah. These were people who were honoring God so that the body of Christ may be built up. That's why I talk about rising. And this means that Jesus is the one who can help us and enable us to rise up as we build on the foundation of Christ, on the apostles and the apostles' teaching. He is the one who joins us. God is the builder, but only if we're open to the Spirit dwelling deep within us. And he invites us to be builders with him. So the question is, how open are you? 
Just think about the walls of hostility in your life. You can't deal with them on your own. But with God, all things are possible. Think of the hostility that there is in the world or in the families around you or the other things that break your heart. With God, all things are possible. Just think, be really specific. Who are you not talking to at the moment? From whom are you separated? It grieves the heart of God. And you need to hear that, and I need to hear that too. When we are separated, it grieves the heart of God. Are you prepared to open your heart to the Spirit and to be the person who makes the first approach to try to begin dismantling those walls? Will you trust that the Lord can rise up, that you can rise and you with him to something hopeful? Remember our Lord is the Lord of resurrection and new life. So, recognize the walls of division Remember, Jesus came to break down the walls. Thirdly, rise to become a dwelling place for the Spirit. And I'd like to conclude with Charles Wesley's hymn. It's a great favorite of mine. Uh, it gave us a prayerful act of commitment at the end of our service. Charles had actually written the words as a love poem. Again, very appropriate, Shannon. <laughs> uh, and often it's sung at weddings. He wrote it for his wife, Sally, actually. And then his brother John saw the power of the words and he adapted it for public use to do with our relationships together. So he changed the words from I to we. And these words are relevant for marriage, but they're also relevant to us and our journey through life together. As members of a gathered Christian community, we're to be an inclusive church an inclusive people without dividing walls, a sign that God is bringing all things together in Christ. So we're going to be singing these words in verse three. Didst thou not make us one, that we might one remain, together travel on and share our joy and pain, till all they utmost goodness prove and rise renewed in perfect love. That word rise again. Rise renewed in perfect love. May the walls come down. May we rise up in and for peace. Amen. Let's stand to sing. <laughs>